Hi everybody, you're listening to the Rogue Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk. We strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to episode zero before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FedLife page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom, and we're rope partners who've been practicing together for around three years. We're excited to share our passion for rope with you, and we live in Thailand. So, Maya, today we're talking about something that is a little bit less common of a topic, which is uh, rope top health. Oh, interesting. Because we see a lot of things about rope bottom health and safety, right? We do, yeah. And that's good. Because we like our bottoms to be healthy and safe. We do. Uh, and they do assume a larger part of the risk in general, don't they? Uh, yeah. So does that mean that this is uh, only relevant to tops, this episode? Yes. If you're a bottom, <laughs> stop listening isn't. immediately. No, it's not, Maya. <laughs> it's not because usually in the time pair, there, or usually or sometimes at least, there is an ongoing relationship. And even if you're a bottom, you might want to take care of your top and do your part to make sure your top is healthy his fur is soft, his breath is fresh. Okay, so anyway, what we're saying is, yes, this is relevant to both tops and bottoms, but we're talking about rope top health. So surely a top can't get injured. Man, tops get injured all the time, Maya. <laughs> I have myself suffered some grievous injuries. Yeah, as a grievous, of yes. Uh, there's this one uh, case of rope, uh, rug burn I got once. It was really dreadful. Yeah. Weeks to heal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, terrible. So, so burn... not to mention the psychological damage. Yeah, I mean, you're still picking up the pieces from that terrible incident. Um, so, skin burns then is definitely something that a rope top can have. So, yeah. your rope can slip through your hands, um, perhaps a bit quickly. Yeah, um, so that would be a rope burn, basically. A rope to burn. Your fingers and hands. Uh, and you uh, were a bit over excited on the carpet, I believe. Yeah, that was probably a scene with a lot of sliding around, throwing the partner around, and then my knee made an uh, unfortunate frictional encounter with the carpet, and thus I was forever disfigured in the foot area. It's... I think it's okay at this point. So what else? Your your hands? Your hands seem to be an area for a, for a rope top that are more likely to get injured, right? Uh, yes, and I know of at least one rope top who likes to put uh, plasters on his fingers to uh, protect his fingers. Okay. I wouldn't go that far personally, but I've definitely burned my fingers a couple of times during yeah, rope. Yeah. Especially when you do more aggressive, faster rope. Yeah. If you have a scene with like CNC, so consensual, non-consent, so a bit more resistance from your partner. Uh, all of those things are going to contribute to a higher uh, risk of injuring your hands as a rope top. Okay, and you might also have uh, lifting injuries, right? So uh, Yeah, and that's also happened to me a couple times. Uh, you can quite easily hurt your back. And we're going to talk in a little bit about things you can do to make your back stronger and to reduce the risk of having an injury like that. But yeah, potentially it can put an end to your scene really quick if you like throw a disc <laughs> as you're 
putting someone up. And you still got to get the person back down again also. Yeah, it's not going to be a good time for anyone there. Um, so what, what other parts can you get um, um, physically injured? One thing that happens a lot is hitting your head against the suspension frame. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay, that's fair. We have a suspension frame. Well, we have several, but one of them is a lower frame. We yeah. have scaffolding. Yeah. Um, every rigger that's tied me, I think, has hit their head. So basically, there are two types of suspension frames. The ones that are low enough that you can bump your head into them. And the ones that are high enough that you need a stepladder to get your rope over them. Okay. There's nothing in the middle. Those are your two options. Okay. Um, and which then... brings us to another way you can hurt yourself, which is falling down from the stepladder to okay. get your rope over. Yeah, very good, very good point. Um, also, your equipment generally can hit you in the face or other delicate All the works. time. Um, so the funny thing is... When you're really focused on not hitting your model with your rope ends, which honestly you should be because being yes, hit in the face I very much support that. with rope ends is, is for most people not desirable. Yes. Uh, there's probably some masochistic bottom out there who loves being hit in the face with the rope ends. I've just not met them yet. Yeah. Um, so you're so focused on protecting your bottom that you forget to protect your own face and then you get hit by your own rope bands in the yeah, face. Yeah, smooth. Which in smooth. private is okay, especially if your bottom is blindfolded. <laughs> in public, it makes you look slightly foolish when that happens. Yeah, yeah. Or your swivel, your beaners. Yeah. Uh, if you've got... Um, block and tackle. Block and, tack block and tackle, nightmare. That's like, a motherfucker, yeah. and that's a hook on that. Yeah. Um, and then also, um, I mean, obviously this has never happened uh for me, but um, your bottom can potentially kick you in the face or other delicate bits. If, the they're, <laughs> if they're struggling or if they are just not really sure where they are. When yeah, in my experience, up. that's most common with newer bottoms who do suspension for the first time or one of their first times. And then they panic as you invert them, for instance, for the first time. And then yeah. the legs go flailing in every which direction. Everywhere. Okay. So that's some physical issues. Yeah. But um, just in the same way with um, rope bottoms, there are some mental and emotional uh, challenges or potential top health issues Nah, there well. isn't because, like, tops are made out of diamond and they don't have feelings. Yeah, and the dummy tops, well... Oh, the dummy tops that's it, obviously you know. are uh, unbreakable. Unbreakable. Uh, yeah, drop drop can be a bitch for tops as well as bottoms, definitely. Okay, so what, what kind of... What does that mean? Uh, yeah, drop, I, I mean, in the um, abstract sense of you do a scene with someone, uh, you might have a very good time, and then I would say probably... 12 to 48 hours later, you feel really bad. You feel really down, a bit depressed, and you don't really know why. There's not really a reason. Uh, it can be just a chemical reaction to um, to the good times you've had. And I think we have an episode on it. We do drop, have right? an episode on it, yeah, and I'll link to it in the notes. So if, if people want to know more about uh, drop, um, we talk both about bottom drop and top drop on that. Um, you can listen to that. Right. So what other um, emotional or more mental issues... Um, might tops have around their health? Well, I think in rope in particular, tops can sometimes put a lot of their ego and identity in their play. Surely no rigger has ego. <laughs> right. And so if you get rejected by your tying partner, that can hit you pretty hard emotionally. Okay. So handling rejection can really uh, be something challenging for tops' emotional yeah. health. Uh, and I would say that's a skill... I would strongly advise both for tops and for bottoms. And if you want to have longevity in any scene, um, being seen as someone who can 
gracefully accept rejection without making enemies, without making the other person feel bad for saying no to you, is going to be something very helpful. Yeah, honestly, in life, like uh, uh, in terms of the work that I do, handling mm-hmm. feedback, handling rejection, handling no is something people are generally bad at. Yeah. Um, so I'll link to some resources on that in um, the right in the, the notes. Okay, sounds useful. What else? Well, if you do not get rejected and the rope happens, then there's the case where the rope doesn't quite go as well as you would want. Mm-hmm. Okay. And maybe it actually factually didn't go well. Or maybe it actually went fine, but you're feeling a bit insecure and you think it was crap when, in fact, the other person had a good time. Okay. So you you feel less good about yourself as yeah. a maker. Uh, one particular variation of that is you think you had a good scene, you were super happy with yourself, and then the next day the play party photos come out and you see that your rope looks dreadful in the photos. And then okay. that makes you feel self-conscious. Okay, so sometimes um, when the pictures, and I think this is we've talked about this for bottoms, but not so much for tops. Uh, when the pictures come out the next day and, and the scene doesn't look how it did feel for you in the moment, that yep. can feel a bit shitty. It's yeah. kind of a subjective experience versus objective experience. Not that there's really such a thing as a purely and, objective experience, but <laughs> the photo is as close as you're going to get to that. Well, and also the photo... the. this is a process versus goal piece as well if your goal was to make a beautiful picture and you didn't achieve it that's one thing but if the process of the tying was the thing then it doesn't really matter objectively what the photo looked like except for it's the only capture you have of that experience yeah and if you have a really beautiful scene where you were super connected to your partner and then you get a photo that looks terrible it's gonna clash yeah yeah very much so uh how else um, there's a whole notion of judgment, like how you compare to your peers. Um, maybe you're a really strong rigger, but there was a visiting rigger that was like world level awesome. And then by comparison, you didn't look great next to them. Uh, whereas in fact, how good of a rigger they are has no bearing on what rope you do. It's just psychologically, there was a comparison effect happening that left you feeling not so good. Yeah. Okay. And what else? Obviously, when you meet, it usually goes the other way around. Womp, womp, womp. The listeners can't see the eye rolls that I do. Maybe we should have like a eye uh, roll sound, sound effect. effect. Woo! Yeah, I feel like. All right, that I'll would add be that useful. in post production. <laughs> um, now that we have the budget. Thank you for our supporters on Patreon. Um, <laughs> then the scene might have been good for you. And you debrief with your partner and they say, oh, you know, actually, I didn't really like it. It was kind of nasty for me. Yeah. Or even, I mean, my experience of of watching you is that it doesn't even have to be that. It can just be that you felt really good about it and they were like, yeah, it was nice. But they're not as super enthusiastic as you were and then you feel a bit sad. Yeah. Yeah. Like a mismatch of level of excitement, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So... I want to make a note on all of those, mm-hmm. which is all of those are subjective and about your interior feelings. Yes. Not about, in inverted commas, reality, mm-hmm. what happened for the other person, etc., etc. So there's a big piece around how we compare ourselves to others, how we how we feel about the situation that we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that affects tops just as much as it affects uh, bottoms. And I Absolutely. think maybe we don't give recognition to that but there's another area where um it, it perhaps is a bit more clear which is when you you injure or you nearly injure a bottom which is 
particular to tops, I think. So tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, there is an inherent risk to rope bondage. We a say that inherent risk, in the yeah. introduction to every single episode of the Rope Podcast. We do. And we firmly believe that rope is risk-aware consensual king. There's no way you can take the risk out of rope. If yeah. you're doing rope, you're taking risks. If you do enough rope, like hundreds and hundreds of scenes of rope, eventually you're going to injure someone. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Mm-hmm. It's something you should accept when you start doing rope and you should continue accepting as you continue Whilst to tie managing people. the risk as best and safely as yeah. possible, obviously. Yeah, we totally. Just add that in. But that doesn't mean, even though you accepted that risk, that when that risk does realize you do hurt someone, um, potentially in a meaningful way and durable way, it's not going to be really hard to handle psychologically and emotionally. Yeah. Especially if you do rope with people you like, and we hope for your sake is the case. That means when you hurt someone, you've hurt someone you care about. Yeah. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really love making this podcast and sharing it with you. But your support can really help us pay for the hosting, the equipment, and other critical costs. So if you like this podcast and you want to support us, you can do so at ropepodcast.com. You'll find ways to buy rope tutorials and gear, so we get a small commission from your purchase at no extra cost to you. In addition, you could also donate to us directly on our Patreon, either as a one-off amount or monthly support that can be as little as the price of a cup of coffee. If you can't afford to do that, that's okay. Just enjoy the podcast and maybe tell a kinky friend or two about it. Now back to today's episode. Uh, and maybe that someone won't be able to do rope again for a few weeks as they recover from the injury and you're going to feel responsible for it because, well, in part you are. I would say you're half responsible. Like I, yeah. I like to see it as a shared responsibility between the top and the bottom, personally. Yeah. Uh, even though I've seen communities in which they tend to put the onus fully on the rigor, I don't think that's the most healthy Sure, approach. but it's interesting because I was reading um, a writing from Clover from about seven or eight years ago, mm-hmm. and it was completely flipped. So her writing, I might um, link to it. I think you should. Um, is saying, please stop putting the blame on your bottoms for their nerve injuries. Okay. Yeah, so, so I think it's really interesting to see how the scene has changed. We've been in it for the last four or five years, so like a bit, a bit more recent relatively yeah and it's completely changed i mean i guess overcompensation is a thing yeah. and personally i tend to uh try to go with a middle road and find balance in things and i think that's for me at least that's the positioning that works okay um so talking of um guilt which is yeah. uh, definitely an, an aspect of injuring really someone is a thing. um there's also something which is about uh when, when you add in power exchange and pain and uh, the more Sadism. sadistic yeah exactly so so why can that be an emotional uh health damager for the tops it can be because society tells us we shouldn't be hurting people we shouldn't be causing people pain that might be gendered in some cases. Uh, that might be men who've been told that hitting women is bad. Uh, I think there's probably also a non-gendered version of this in at least some societies that makes us feel bad about enjoying hurting people. Um, so that's one level of it. I would say that's the default society level of it. Yeah. But then even within kink and within rope... There is also a subculture of rope where 
there are people who are into rope, but not the rest of BDSM and don't make other kinks necessarily feel welcome in their space. Yeah. And that's their choice. Um, if you run a venue or if you run a group, you have a lot of influence on the culture of the people who are going to play there. And in some cases, groups have decided that they're only doing rope for education, they're only doing rope for photos, for whatever their motivations might be, but they don't accept other forms of play, such as impact play, or even rope in the more semenawa line, so rope that is designed to be painful for the bottom. And in some cases, the rules are very explicit, so you make a choice if you go to those venues to follow them. But in some cases, those rules are not really expressed, and so you go to, let's say, a rope jam. Uh, you feel like you what you're doing is not out of place because you're doing rope with your partner, but you're doing more sadistic rope. And then you realize after you've seen that people are uncomfortable because they don't like seeing that mm-hmm. in that context. There's a good um, another good writing, um, which I'll link to, about being kinky but uncomfortable. So it's a whole writing which basically talks about this concept of people being oh, well, I'm kinky and I'm into this, but wait, this makes me uncomfortable and where that line is. And the the phrase, your, is it your kink is not my kink, but mm-hmm. your kink is okay. Um, that's something that I, I think sometimes gets a bit lost, particularly in rope, because often of a good reason that... So it's not so much about excluding other kinks, but it's about rope spaces making a choice to prioritise rope, mm-hmm. which you know, is is good because they're promoting specific education around rope. Yeah. But then the impact of that, the consequence rather, is that you often get people new people coming into rope who aren't kink educated in the same way that someone coming to rope through kink might be. Okay, fair sense? point. I think it does. And if we look back to our topic of top health, if you're on the receiving end of that and you're being given strong social feedback that your kink is not okay, it can feel really invalidating. Well, particularly in the only place where you feel like you should be accepted. Yeah, like you're a rope person, you go to a rope jam, you do the rope that you're deeply passionate about, and then people say, oh, we don't want you here anymore. Yeah. Uh, That's extremely violent socially. Yeah, yeah. And we've been reading um, the Lee Harrington and... A co-author whose name I've forgotten. But Uh, it will be in the writing. It will be in the writing, yeah, it will now. (laughs) Playing well with others. Playing well with others. Uh, Highly recommended. Yeah, it's a really great book, particularly if you're newer to kink or even if you just want to refresh some things. You can probably put an uh, Amazon affiliate link to that Okay, yeah, I can probably do that. (laughs) Um, But one of the things that they remind us is that kink is a microcosm, not a utopia. So kink isn't this amazing place where everybody is perfect. Uh, It's just people. It's just more people. So, okay, we got a bit off topic Plenty of hot people, though, just saying. Okay. Uh, So what else on... um... Well, there's another one that you overwhelmingly see on the bottom side, but sadly exists for everyone, and that's consent violations. Yeah, okay. So yes, as a top, you have a right to consent. And yes, a bottom can violate a top's consent, even though we don't talk about that very much. It absolutely can happen and yeah, does happen. You've, ha- you've had it happen at a lower level a number of times. Yeah. Um, rarely do bottoms ask you what your limits are. Yeah, they, they don't. Um, 
Um, in my case, it's not been like super impactful in terms of consequences, yeah. but yeah. I, for example, have a hard limit that I do not want any marks. And a number of times I have ended a scene with a hickey or a bite mark or a scratch mark, although I had very precisely specified that you didn't want any marks. Yeah. So that would be a lesser example of that. Um, I have not personally had that problem, but I have uh, rigor friends who have had a bottom uh, touch their genitals while they were tying in a way they didn't feel comfortable with. Yeah. And at no point that they indicated that uh, being touched sexually was something they wanted. So that psychologically I feel can be a, a bit more uh, impactful yeah and there's um, a very good and interesting video by wild ties uh, which is about tops having the right to choose who they tie with so there being some pressure yeah um, for him and for the riggers around oh you know you should be able, you should be prepared to tie all kinds of people uh, including genders that are not within there. Yeah, genders level. you're not compatible with, body types you're not attracted to, whatever those might be. Yeah. Uh, or even... Smell. Yeah, smells. Uh, specific people you don't... You just don't really ...click like. with. Yeah. But if you refuse to tie them in some communities, they can be a... Yeah, so that's quite an interesting... Interesting one. Yeah. Okay, so we've identified a number of issues, physical and emotional. So what... We're going to fix them all for you. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Sounds good. So how do you prepare as a top, um, kind of more generally, and then for a specific scene? All right. Um, you can do a bunch of physical things first to okay. uh, prepare and strengthen your body. Uh, you use your hands quite a lot. In rope, generally. I mean, there's probably a rigger out there who ties with his feet and mouth, but I've not met him yet. Um, and so stretching and strengthening your hands is probably a good idea. Uh, we can maybe link to some uh, YouTube videos that show you how to do that. Some exercises where you're essentially doing um, push-ups on your fingers as opposed to the palm of your hands can allow you to strengthen your fingers. There's various ways to warm up your joints before rope, rolling your wrists, playing with your finger joints. Some people like to squeeze a ball. Yeah. Uh, that can also serve as a stress relief or in addition to strengthening for some people. A tennis ball. Yeah, a tennis ball. Or there are special balls you can buy in like sports shop or whatever. Probably more expensive than just a tennis ball. Um, personally, I do weightlifting. Okay. And one exercise that I find very useful to strengthen my body for rope is squats. Okay. So squats, you have a, a bar with some weights over your shoulders and you're essentially flexing at the knees and at the hips and bringing it down and then back up again. And that's really good for working a lot of your body. And as you increase to bigger weights, you're really going to strengthen your core muscles and your back muscles. And that is going to make you much less likely to uh, have an injury while lifting a bottom, while bringing a bottom down and so on. Um, if let's say, for instance, you can squat around 100 kilos and most of your bottoms are less than that, if you lift that weight two or three times a week, it's unlikely that lifting a 70 kilo bottom is going to injure your back. Yeah, okay. Then in addition to that, all uh, flexibility, stretchy things. Personally, I like yoga. And if I have scenes where I like roll around with my partner, uh, where there's a lot of movement on the floor, having some experience of that or similar discipline or martial artsy stuff is something I encounter frequently. 
uh, in rope. Uh, all those things where you tumble and fall and so on can help you condition your body. Okay. And being just in general good fitness, honestly, like managing your weight, being hydrated, all those all those things you would do to just be in at a good fitness level in general. The better your general fitness level, the less likely you have to have a physical injury in rope. Okay. All right. Well, what, so what else might you do before you actually do a scene to manage this area? Well, I would say that communicating efficiently with your partner about your physical limitations is going to be quite important. If you have a bad lower back, telling your partner, I have a back problem, like don't jump on me because you could hurt me is probably a good idea. Okay. Uh, and just, yeah, if you have any limitations, either permanent or maybe just on that day, you're having like an issue with a part of your body, like there's no shame in talking about it. I think that's really important. Like if your rigor isn't feeling in super health, like they've got a headache or a bit of them hurts, um, or there's some, some challenge that they're facing, or even if there's an emotional uh, issue and they're just feeling a bit down, then I think that's very important to talk to your bottom about so they can have their expectation managed and they can support you with it mm -hmm. then in terms of gear there are things you can do um, one accessory i like very much for making suspensions easier and safer is using a chair okay how would you use a chair uh well you can do a lot of things with it but one example is you can stand up your bottom on the chair tie them up take the chair away and so they're already up in the air without you needing to lift them so that's going to reduce um, both the stress on their body and the amount of effort you have to develop. And the beauty of that is if you need to end your suspension quickly, you just put the chair back mm. and then they're not suspended anymore. Okay. So in terms of safety, that gives you a really fast reversibility to your suspension. Okay. So, so having strategies around that kind of thing, little steps, little step ladders, also stuff you can yeah. mess with. Uh, having pulleys as opposed to like pulling your rope over something that has a lot of friction is going to make a huge difference. Um, yeah, so actually you've uh, just put some bamboo. So we have a frame with... Um, Square section beams. Yeah, flat. And you've just put some bamboo over the top so that you are able to pull more efficiently. Yeah, the bamboo being much smoother. If I need uh, an easier pull, mm. I can I can go through the bamboo instead of going through the square beam, and that makes a big difference. Yeah. So that's a really good example of using um, mm -hmm. uh, the equipment. Yeah. Um, and you can also look at um, examples like Nina Ross, yeah. who are smaller females who handle... Uh, larger male or female bottoms than themselves and how they do it. The full body lift is one yeah. I see a lot, um, which is a very fast lift where the person falls back with the rope in their hand effectively. Yeah, using their whole body weight yeah. to pull the other yeah. person up. And in addition to being efficient, it also looks very dramatic and nice. Cool, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one, that, one to check out, definitely. Uh, on the other hand, if you're a 150 kilo guy uh, lifting a 40 kilo bottom, be easy with the full yeah, body lift because you could throw her into yeah, the ceiling. Exactly. Like, exactly. don't put her in the stratosphere. Um, all right. How else are we managing our rope top health? I think knowing what you want to get out of the scene and once again agreeing with your partner and making sure you have aligned your expectations is going to help you with the emotional, mental side of things. Because there is less of a risk of a disappointment if you have 
set a realistic expectation. Okay, so really focusing on what makes you and your partner happy yeah. about doing well. And, and I guess focusing more on yourself, your partner and the tie and, and trying to forget that comparison factor, the other people around you. Yeah, but on the other hand, although you are trying to forget the other people, you might have a better outcome to your scene if you're sensitive to your surrounding and to the mm. context. Mm. So if you're going to a party where you know the people are not sex positive, you're probably setting yourself up for some emotional hurt if you try to do a sexual scene. Yeah, okay. It's probably better to keep that sexy scene for doing in private or for doing with another group of people who you know to be sex positive and to design a scene that fits well within the parameters of that particular event you're going to. Okay, great, great. And also having... Um... A, a, a definition of success I mean that sounds a bit uh, worky but having yeah. agreeing what what is going to be positive for the two people involved so is it the process is it a goal is it a photo etc and, yeah. and if you're on the same page about that and we've talked about this many times uh, that's a big um, positive yeah and then lastly I would talk about if you're a top going to an event managing your energy budget uh, personally, I now limit myself to either two or three scenes, depending on the size and the duration of the event, because I know from experience that trying to do more than that, I'm going to be too tired to enjoy it. I'm going to be overwhelmed, and I'm going to be also tired enough that I might start making more mistakes, taking more risks for myself and for my partner. So ask yourself, like... That four-hour party, how many scenes do I actually want to do? Do I want to be running around all night trying to tie as many people as possible? Or do I want to limit myself to one or two really good scenes, taking time to do proper negotiations, taking time to do proper aftercare, especially? Uh, because I think good aftercare is going to be very impactful in how we feel after the scene. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, being reasonable, essentially... Uh, I just drove 12 hours to get to the convention. Maybe I don't do five scenes on the first night just when I got there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and so a number of those cover before and during, but is there anything else during the scene that we want to uh, keep an eye on for our health? Um, yeah, I would say one big risk moment for the top is whenever there's any lift. So when I'm bringing a bottom up to a higher elevation... I'm using my body to provide the strength and energy to do that. That's one moment where I'm more likely to injure myself, so I'm going to be more careful. So watching, honestly, some health and safety videos around how you lift heavy objects is no bad thing. Yeah, that could help. Uh, especially in the case where you have to support your bottom to help her come down or because she's having, she wants some temporary relief, or he or she wants some temporary relief in the suspension. Being careful how you lift in those cases can make a big difference. Uh, and I would say, in general, when I'm tying, my attention is very focused on my bottom. But I have learned over time to keep a secondary concern in the back of my mind for my own body. And that wasn't really so much the case at first. And that's how you uh, you get those like little injuries. Usually, I don't even notice them in the moment with the adrenaline, with the focus being on the other person. And like two or three hours after the scene, I'll be like, why is my hand bleeding? <laughs> So what can we do to uh, manage rope top health after a scene? Uh, if you're the bottom, there's definitely ways you can help your top. I remember very fondly, we once played with a beautiful woman who was the first person to give me a hand massage after the rope. And that felt amazing. Yeah, you were 
I mean, she was quite. That was a very nice scene, and uh, you were quite happy. Yes. Both yes. during and after. Yes, yes. <laughs> we yes. had a good it time. It was an extremely pleasant experience. Uh, and I would say if you're maybe a bit service oriented as a bottom, you might really enjoy giving your rigger uh, this pleasure. And you know what? If you take good care of your rigger, you're going to have a rigger for a longer time. You're going to get more opportunities to do rope. And who doesn't love doing rope as much as possible? It's true. Although I will say uh, it's something that I kind of have in my mind, but I'm pretty much always too spacey after a scene to be able to do it. Okay, that's a good point. Uh, and also, I would say that's something to discuss beforehand, because as the bottom, if you go for the hand massage and the rigger is not happy with it, like either just rejects it or says after the fact you didn't enjoy that, uh, that might feel bad. So just check with the rigger before the scene yeah. whether or not it's something they would be interested Agreed, in Agreed, because it can feel weird for a bottom to proactively touch a top, which mm-hmm. I don't think is great, but I think uh, rope culture um, has that. Yeah. Um, we have a video for a hand massage that we found on YouTube, so I'll link to that as well. Yeah. Uh, if you've been to an event and you've done a series of scenes, as a top, something that you might find helpful if you have sore muscles is a hot bath. Okay, what does that do? Uh, it's quite good for relaxing the muscles. It's a bit of a trade-off, though, because it tends to exasperate joint pain. Why is that? I don't actually know the answer to that question, okay. but I know that it does. Uh, I know from my golfing days, actually, okay. that if you're golfing several days in a row, uh, if you take hot baths in the evenings, you have less sore muscles, but you have more joint pain. So depending on what you're more prone to... Maybe it's inflammation. Yeah, that sounds like it would because be Because with inflammation, normally you put cold on it, right? Yeah, okay. I think, I think that might so be... So maybe it. like a hot bath and a cold plunge pool. <laughs> so don't take this as medical advice. Yeah, clearly. But... In general, if you're someone who's prone to muscle pain and not too much to joint pain, you might find hot baths after a long day of rope to be uh, nice. If you are going to some kind of workshop that is over several days, be sure to do something for your body in the evening times. If you're tying like seven hours on the first day, seven hours on the second day, Maybe don't go out drinking alcohol until four in the morning in between. Well, and also don't spend five hours on the computer because actually mm-hmm. if your hands are cramped up from the computer, you're going to struggle to tie as well. Yeah. And just in general, I've kind of hinted at that already. Make sure you have enough time for aftercare. Make sure you've negotiated with your partner what kind of aftercare you both enjoy and take the time to do nice aftercare whatever that is for you yeah something that really suits both of you because that um, will manage a lot of the emotional uh, and mental aspects of the um, um, the scene yeah and uh, the scheduling aspect of the aftercare can be more challenging than you think Uh, recently the parties in our local community have become a bit bigger in terms of number of attendance and so you have to schedule your time on the suspension frame because there's currently only one suspension frame and a number of people who are interested in rope. And so when you give your schedule in advance to the dungeon monitors so you can reserve your slot, you also have to work into your party schedule that you need to save some time for aftercare. Remembering that all your partners are playing with other partners who are playing with other partners. Yeah, so it's like complexity to the nth level. It very much it very much is. Um, and But that aftercare can make a di- big difference for the emotional and mental piece. And I'd also say to bottoms that one thing that I think is both important and good is if you check in with your top the day after as well 
So typically tops check in with the bottom the day after, but I think it's super helpful for the bottom to be proactive sometimes to check in with the top as well. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, Maya. So hopefully with all of that, if you're a top, you know how to take better care of your body and reduce your risk of injury. And if you're a bottom, maybe you got some good ideas of suggestions you can give to tops you know or ways you can help them. And with that, that will be all from us today at The Rope Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from and come friend us on our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. You can also go to ropepodcast.com and there you will find different ways you can support our podcast to make sure we continue making plenty of episodes like this one. In particular, we have a Patreon and that is a great way to support us more directly. Even just for the price of a coffee a month. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll gladly take your coffee and it will <laughs> help us stay awake to record more episodes. Uh, if you have a question, you can also send that to us through FetLife and we will try to answer it in an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying. <laughs>